as we look at uh, a monumental remembrance. The passage from Scripture we're going to focus on is Joshua. We had just sung in that hymn in in verse 4, Joshua has now come to Canaan. And we're going to talk about that event a little bit. Dear friends in Christ, human beings like to remember things, right? Special things. And to do so in creative ways, that's probably one of the ways that we love just doing that remembrance. And Americans are no different from other people in the world. Just think of the memorials in Washington, D.C., where we have former presidents Jefferson, Lincoln, Roosevelt, and Washington. They're remembered by monuments. There's statues there, and even what we call obelisks. And wars and the soldiers who died in them, they're remembered. World War I and II, the Korean War, the conflict there, and also the Vietnam War. And one of the most prominent ones is on Memorial Day, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And elsewhere in the country, tragic events are memorialized too, like Pearl Harbor, the Oklahoma City bombing, and also 9-11. We built memorials so that we never forget. And even in communities, remembrances happen. Here in Tinley Park, there is a World War I monument that's over at Patriot Park near the 80th Avenue train station there. We have the Veterans War Memorial at that station there in the plaza near the parking lot. And there's also even a Volunteer Firemen's Memorial. Names on that monument there, that statue the charter members of the Volunteer Fire Department. Over a hundred years ago, they had served. And if you're not from Tinley, well, very likely there's some type of statue or monument that commemorates people and events in your places. And in addition to building things, we set aside particular days, days to remember, to have that collective American experience. There's Martin Luther King Jr. Day in January. And then we have February, where we remember Presidents Lincoln and Washington. In July, we set aside one day to remember our independence. And then in November, we remember our veterans. And so we come to Memorial Day to remember. And in a little town of Victory Mills, New York, there's a memorial that's called the Saratoga Monument. And it celebrates the decisive victory that the Americans won over the British in the 1777 battles of Saratoga during the American Revolutionary War. That monument, that stone obelisk, it's 155 feet tall. That's about three times higher than our sanctuary ceiling. Well, work on it started about 100 years after the battle took place And there's a staircase that allows visitors to go up inside. You've got to climb about 190 steps. And you can see the grand views of the surrounding area there. Well, Stanley Purdom, he lived in nearby Saratoga Springs during his teen years. And he and his friends, they would ride their bicycles to the monument, and he would go up those steps on more than one occasion. And his family, they had moved to another state while he was still in high school. And so they were on a vacation where they were going to New England, and 
Stanley decided to do a detour so that the family could see the monument that only he had known about. He looked forward to visiting that boyhood spot. And it was a hot day when they arrived. They were traveling in this old motorhome, and sure enough, the air conditioning had broken down. They were sweaty. They were tired. And it was a long hours of travel. And the kids were seated in the back, and they are playing cards. And when their dad urged them to get out to see that obelisk, they merely just glanced out the window, and they figured, well, it's just another monument. And they went back to playing cards. Well, his wife told Stan to go on ahead, and that she would remain in the vehicle as well. She was more concerned about where they were going to be camping that night and if there'd be a pool for the kids to swim in. Well, he was obviously deflated by that, and he still went out because he wanted to walk alone, consoling himself with, at least he could go up those stairs again. And when he got there, he found that the door was locked. And uh, they had closed the park just a few minutes before the family had gotten there. And driving away, Pernum thought about how no one in his family who had looked at the monument, they didn't see it for what it was intended to be, a memorial. To his kids, it was just another pile of stones, like others they had seen. And to his wife, it was an interruption to their getting to a camp that night. And to Purdom himself, it really didn't stand for those brave soldiers who had died in 1777. Instead, for him, it was a reminder of the happy times he had when he was a boy. And if those who had built that particular monument could have asked Purdom and his family what that monument meant to them, they probably would have been disappointed with their answers. Well, we know that that tends to happen to monuments over time. And as we see, people can become detached from the events that led to their creation. In fact, consider Memorial Day itself. It's a day to remember fallen soldiers who died serving our country. Well, for a lot of people, it's a a day off of work. It's a holiday. Maybe getting together with family, and if the weather's great, yeah, let's have a big grill out and, and just celebrate being together. Each year, the crowds that gather at cemeteries and plazas on Memorial Day, they get a little smaller. Let's take a look at that Old Testament book of Joshua, and it refers to a memorial. It says there in chapter 4, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Those people of Israel, they were on the final leg of their journey through the wilderness. 
God had rescued them, obviously, from that slavery in Egypt, and now there was one barrier that was in front of them. It was the Jordan River. And God instructed Joshua to send the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant into the river. And as soon as their feet, as they're carrying that, they, when they touch the water, the waters parted, just like the Red Sea had done. It remained parted until that entire company of Israelites had crossed into the promised land. And they went on the dry riverbed. It wasn't mud that they were getting stuck in. That was the second part of the miracle, not only to separate the waters, but to make that ground dry. That was an event to pay tribute to. And God, he told Joshua to have one man from each of those 12 tribes, as we saw, take a stone from that riverbed and carry it onto the riverbank on the other side of that newly entered territory. There Joshua heaped the 12 stones up as a memorial. It was a monument to commemorate God's intervention parting the river for them. And notice Joshua's words at the end of that reading that I shared. He said, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Yeah, right. A memorial forever. Like, that's going to happen. Well, perhaps predictably, subsequent generations of Israelites didn't always care about the things that their ancestors' monuments symbolize, like those 12 stones. And like Purdom and his family, no one was really asking, what do these stones mean? Well, the same trend continues today regarding memorials. And new generations come along, and since they're not a part of their parents' or grandparents' generation, well, they don't see the things that were important to those people, those events, those factors. And it's common for the younger people to really just assign a lower value to that same particular thing. That certainly became a problem for Israel. Despite the various monuments the people of one generation erected, the next generations were less interested in what those stones represented. And for some of them, they were just piles of rock. Joshua may have hoped that subsequent generations would have said, you know, what do these stones mean? But in fact, the, the newcomers, they didn't bother. And one of God's chief charges against the people of Israel, as he shares in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, was that they forgot about God. The one who had taken care of them, rescued them, and continues to provide for them. But before we regret this failure to remember... Let's acknowledge that it may not even be very reasonable to expect that something that commemorates a value or an event, that it's going to have the same meaning for generations to come. You know, people who weren't even born during that event time. You know, for 9-11, when that took place, college graduates today who are about 22 years old, they only know about 9-11 as a moment in history. But for us who lived through it, it was probably one of the most terrifying moments in our nation in recent history. Even more so, by ignoring history completely, we lose the benefits of learning from the past. We know that we benefit from knowing what we as a people of this earth have gone through. And especially for us who are people of faith and how God has walked with us. 
Well, as someone said, without knowing history, we are doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. Each year when I teach the 8th graders in religion class, uh, I share with them a a little video series I have, which deals with uh, a particular monument. It used to be called the Pilgrim's Monument, and now it's called the National Monument to the Forefathers. It's in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and it commemorates the Mayflower Pilgrims. It was dedicated on August 1st of 1889, and it honors their core values that they had, which were later adopted by the United States, even in Congress. And it's thought to be the world's largest solid granite monument. And there's a a figure of faith there pointing up to heaven. In one hand, that right hand, and in the left hand, holding a Bible. And then below it are, on four sides, different types of statues and wordings, and it talks about morality and law, education, and liberty. All of those foundations, those core values, which made up our country. Well, the meaning of past events can't be quite the same for us as for those who live through them. And so our job is not to force our kids to to bow to our memorials, but to do what we can to help them understand the meaning that they are for us. You know, we can help them see see them as our piles of stone. Maybe they're going to look at that both literally or figuratively. And as, if not memorials for them, at least if they could be milestones on the journey of mankind. In other words, every time that we build a memorial, intentionally or otherwise, we can think of what it will mean for the current generation and for generations to come. They will be different things, different meanings, but even a secondary meaning can still have value. Let me give you some examples regarding what memorials can do, both for the generation that was there and then for those that follow. A memorial, it can celebrate happy events, heroic ones. And it can mourn tragic ones, as we know as well. Israel's 12 stones, they testified to the current generation that God had helped and guided them. And as a milestone to the next generation, it witnesses that people earlier than them were helped. And hopefully, they will see that, that they can too be helped by God as they live their lives. A memorial... It can remind those who lived through the event of a terrible cost of war, for example. And as a milestone, it can cause those future generations to hopefully avoid bloodshed and to really just focus on peace. A memorial also can promote healing for the people that were there or who had loved ones there. Think of, for example, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial and the Oklahoma City National Memorial. As milestones, they can teach that people can deal with emotional pain. They can continue to live, especially knowing that God is there with them. And finally, a memorial can help the immediate generation realize that something significant happened in their life. And it called for courage. It called for sacrifice, perhaps. 
Well, as a milestone, it can communicate to each age that they have significant things, too, that are going to happen that will call for courage and sacrifice. Monument builders, they don't have the power to force others to honor those monuments themselves. But they can do their best to help them understand the milestone implications. And on a personal level, well, we want our children to see and understand what's important and valuable to us. And we hope that some of the things, even our faith in God, are going to be of even greater value to them. But we don't want them to be bound or limited to our understanding to inform them about what's going on, about our own conclusions. We want what we have value to inform them so that they can go further. They can reach out better. They can climb higher in their life. In time, they're going to build their own monuments, aren't they? Well, if we've been faithful to living up to the best of our monuments with what they represent, hopefully they're going to serve as building blocks to their monuments. When the descendants of the first generation to cross the Jordan River and enter Canaan, you know, would see those pile of stones there at the site where they spent that first night, you know, and they, they would ask, you know, how did these stones get here? What do they mean? Well, they would hear and remember the presence of God and his protection when they were in the wilderness. And also his promise to not only lead them into the promised land, but also to help them conquer it, to become a nation. We sang there about Joshua has now come to Canaan, and the kings before him quail. It wasn't before Joshua quail, it was a capital H, right? Before God, they will quail. He will lead his people always in every generation. When we look at not a monument, but when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, when we come to his table, when there are those times to receive the bread and the wine in that meal, we remember how God took on flesh, how he suffered and died for us. And when we encounter the empty tomb, and also our ascended Lord who went to heaven, returned there, we remember Jesus' promise that he has gone before us to prepare a place for us. And when all things are ready for us, he will come and he will take us home to be with him forever. May we never forget, but always give thanks to God for what we have for today and for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.